أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد then to continue with our Rasul al-Thalatha, the three fundamental principles of Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahimahullah, <coughs> with the explanation of Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, hafidhahullah, then we were on the third of the three fundamental principles, the servant's knowledge about his Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So last time, some of the points that we had were that Allah's Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he called his people, he called all of the people to Tawheed for ten years in Mecca. And Shaykh Fawzan mentioned the importance of Mecca being the place where this call was established, because indeed Mecca is Umm al-Qura, the foundation of the cities, the first and foremost city which the rest of the cities of the earth follow on from and to which the people turn back to. So whatever occurs in Mecca from good or otherwise, then it spreads to the rest of the world. So that's some of the wisdom behind the call of Allah's Messenger وسلم, being in Mecca for ten years calling to, to Tawheed alone. To no other duty except calling to Tawheed, to the worship of Allah alone and forbidding the people from shirk. And then after the ten years, the Isra and the Mi'raj occurred. The Isra, the journey that the Prophet ﷺ was taken on from Mecca to Jerusalem. Taken by Jibreel ﷺ on the animal Al-Buraq. And then also the Mi'raj, the ascent through the heavens, through all of the seven heavens. Jibreel salam, took the hand of the Prophet wasallam and led him up through the seven heavens, all the way to the farthest lot tree, Sidratul Muntaha. And that there, Allah the Most High obligated the five daily prayers upon him. And we had Shaykh Fawzan mention the incident that initially 50 prayers were made obligatory. Allah the Most High spoke to Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa and obligated upon him 50 prayers. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa came down with that until he passed by Musa alayhi salam. And he advised him, what did, your, what did your Lord command you with? So he mentioned the 50 prayers. So Musa alayhi salam he said that, obviously having experience of his own people, he said, your people will not be able to bear it, so go back to your Lord and ask for a reduction. So the Prophet ﷺ did so. And he kept going back, and there was a reduction. Musa ﷺ gave him the same advice, until the prayers became five. Five in the day and night. We had the narrations that Allah the Most High has made them five, with regard to the action, but fifty with regard to the reward. We also had that Shaykh Fawzan mentioned the incident of what happened after the return of the Prophet to Mecca that same night in the morning he informed some of the Quraysh 
what had happened that he had been taken in a single night all the way to Jerusalem so the disbelievers were astonished at this at this claim and they were very happy because they thought it was so incredible that nobody will believe it so they went around broadcasting it until they even until they came to the close friend of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to abu bakr radiyallahu anhu and they told him oh, your friend he what he claimed if you heard what he claims now that he claims that he was taken all the way to jerusalem and back in a single night so then abu, abu bakr radiyallahu anhu he said if, if he indeed said that then it is the truth so he straight away believed he said if he said it it's the truth and as we had before, that's the reason that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was called As-Siddiq. He gained the title As-Siddiq, who attests to the truth. The truthful one who attests to the truth. Sheikh Fawzan also made the important point that the, Isra, that the this journey was with the body and the soul. This night journey was with the body of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and with his soul together, it wasn't just a dream. If it had been, if it had been just a dream, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "I dreamt last night," then the Quraysh would not have raised any objection to him, because a person in a dream can go to any any distance and back. So that proved that's an evidence that it was not a dream, nor was it just his soul that was taken, but rather his body and his soul. It's not the case that his body remained in Mecca and his soul travelled. Rather, as the Sheikh Fawzan said, that what is correct is that he travelled with his body and his soul. And the evidence he quoted was the ayah from the first ayah from Surah Al-Isra, 17th Surah. Subhanallah asra bi abdihi. To the end of the ayah with the explanation that perfect and glory, perfect. And exalted is the one who took his abd, who took his slave on the journey by night. And as Sheikh Fawzan said, this term abd does not refer to just a person's soul. That a soul is not on its own called an abd, a slave. Nor is a body without a soul called an abd. Rather, a living person, the person with the body and the soul together, that is what is called abd. And Sheikh Fawzan mentioned, so there is agreement upon this occurring and the only disagreement amongst the scholars is when did it occur how many years before the hijra was it a year year and a half three years or five years and he mentioned what is the correct saying as was indicated here very clearly by the author was it occurred three years before the hijra after ten years of the call in Mecca with three years remaining before he was commanded with the hijra then <coughs> Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah he continues on what occurs here on page 261 of the Lebanese edition page 203 of the Egyptian print with the small title Al-Hijra ila al-Madina so the last part the last part was Wasalla fi Makkata thalatha sinin so after the Isra and the Mi'raj that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, after the Isra and Mi'raj, the five daily prayers were made obligatory. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam prayed for three years in Mecca. Then comes the section al-Hijratu ila al-Madina. The Hijra to al-Madina. Then comes the, say, the part of the main text, the saying of Shaykh al-Islam: Wa ba'dha umira 
Bilhijrati Ilal Medina. And after that, he was commanded to perform Hijrah, the migration, to Al Medina. Shaykh al Fawzan, Hafizullah, he said, His saying, Rahimahullah, wa ba'adaha umira bil Hijrati Ilal Medina. And after that, he was commanded to perform Hijrah to Al Medina. He said, When the harm of the Quraysh became severe, and their evil increased on account of their blocking people from Allah's path and their persecuting the Muslims and their torturing those who had no group of people to defend them from the Muslims who were in a state of weakness then Allah the perfect and most high gave permission for the Muslims to make Hijrah to Abyssinia the first Hijrah this was the first Hijrah the first migration to Abyssinia the land in Africa because there there was a king with whom no one would be oppressed and he was a Christian however he was just so a large group of them migrated. A large group of the Muslims in Mecca who were suffering, they migrated to Abyssinia. So when the Quraysh came to know of their having migrated to Abyssinia, they sent two representatives from the wise men of Quraysh to request them to seek that they be brought back so Quraysh sent two of their wise men to bring them back one of them was Amr ibn al-As one of the two representatives of Quraysh was Amr ibn al-As and as a side point here Shaykh Fawzan Hafizullah he doesn't mention the, the second one and there is some disagreement who the second one was so it is said in a, in a good report, that it was Abdullah ibn Abi Rabi'ah. Or it is said in other reports that it was Umara ibn al-Walid ibn al-Mughira. Wallahu a'lam. But as Shaykh Fawzan said, one of them was definitely Amr ibn al-As. And with them, the Shaykh continued, and with them were gifts for the Najashi, I mean for the Negus, the king of Abyssinia whose title, the kings of Abyssinia, they took the title, and Najashi, the Negus. They called their king, whoever his, whatever his name was, they called him the Negus. So I said they had with them gifts for the Najashi, the Negus. And they said, these people have run away from us, and they are relatives of ours. We want them to return to us, and they are evildoers so that they do not cause corruption in your land. Into the end of their speech. The Sheikh has abridged what they said. They made all these arguments to the Negus that why the Muslims who went to his land, why they should be sent back with them. And they gave him the gifts which they had with them in order to change his mind. However, he, Rahimahullah, 
May Allah have mercy upon him. I mean, he called the Muhajireen. He called the people who migrated. And he listened to what they had to say. And he gave them a choice. So they chose to remain in Abyssinia. So the two representatives went back frustrated. And the, and the Muhajirun in Abyssinia remained there. Then Allah favored the Najashi, the Negus, and he accepted Islam and made his Islam good. And when he died, the Messenger وسلم, and his companion prayed the funeral prayer for him. Salat al Ghaib. With the prayer of one whose body is absent. In other words, Shaykh Razan is mentioning, obviously, the Negus, the Najashi, he died in Abyssinia across the ocean. So the Prophet was informed by revelation that he had died, obviously, died as a Muslim. So in Al Medina, the Prophet led the funeral prayer for him with the body, obviously, being in a separate land. Salat al Ghaib. The Shaykh said, so in, their, so in their migrating to him, there was good also for him. And it was good for them that they escaped the persecution of the Quraysh. He said, and in their migrating to him, there was good for him also. By means of them, Allah guided him. So he entered into Islam. Then Shaykh Fawzan moves on in the incidents, incidents of the seerah and he said Then the Prophet وسلم, he met a group of the Ansar the Ansar Muslims from Al-Madinah He met a group of the Ansar in Mina during the pilgrimage, during the Hajj and the Prophet وسلم, used to present himself to the tribes during the Hajj, he would go to the different camping places unto Allah. And it occurred that he met some men from the Ansar. So he called them to Allah. And he explained his call to them. So they accepted the call from the Messenger. And they gave him a pledge, a bay'ah, upon Islam. And they went back to their people from the pilgrimage. And they called them to Allah, the mighty and majestic. So then, in the next pilgrimage, the next year, a larger number came than those who were in the first. I mean, a larger number of the people of Medina came. Those who went back to Medina, that group who went back, called their people to, to, to Islam. And more of them accepted Islam, and then a larger number of them came in the second occasion, second pilgrimage. Some men from the Ansar came, and they gave the pledge to the Prophet Bayatul Thaniya, the second pledge of Al Aqaba, meaning at Jamratul Aqaba, at the stoning place of Aqaba. This is the place where they gave the, the pledge, the place in Mina, 
where the large stoning place is, the one closest to Mecca, just near there, they gave this pledge. They gave a pledge upon the basis of Islam and upon the basis of aiding him, that they would aid him if he made the hijra, the migration, to them and that they would defend him just as they defended themselves and their children, their own children. So then, after this blessed pledge, the Prophet ﷺ commanded those Muslims who were in Mecca to perform hijrah, migration to Al-Madinah. And whoever migrated, migrated to Al-Madinah. I mean, now there are a sizable number of Muslims in Medina. So therefore the Prophet ﷺ commanded the Muslims who could do so to migrate to Al-Madinah and go and join the Muslims in Al-Madinah. He said, and the messenger and some of his companions remained. Then Allah permitted his Prophet ﷺ to make hijrah, to migrate. So when the Quraysh became aware of the migration of his companions to Al-Madinah and they knew of the pledge that had occurred between him and the Ansar, they feared that Allah's Messenger وسلم, would, join up, would join up with his companions in Al-Madinah and that he would therefore attain power and gain strength. So on this night, when the Prophet ﷺ wanted to depart, to, to make hijrah, to migrate, they came and surrounded his house. And they stood outside the door with their weapons, intending to attack Allah's Messenger ﷺ. So Allah informed his Prophet ﷺ, so therefore, the Prophet ﷺ commanded Ali to sleep upon his bed. So that the mushriks, the people of shirk, could see him and think that he was the Prophet ﷺ. So Ali an, he slept upon the bed of Allah's Messenger ﷺ and covered himself with his blanket. Or he said he covered himself with the blanket of the Messenger ﷺ. So the mushriks were waiting for him to come out, thinking that he was the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When actually the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had already come out between them, and they were not aware. When they saw Ali radiallahu and upon the bed covered with the cover, thinking it was the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. As for the Prophet ﷺ, he came out from his door, he walked straight through them, but Allah blinded their sight so that they did not see him. And he walked straight past them, and they didn't even notice. Shaykh Fawzan said, Allah blinded their sight from him, and he took some earth and scattered it upon their heads and departed from between them. 
just as a side point here, <coughs> that as for the actual instant of scattering the, the dust upon the heads, and the narration in that regard is Mursal, there's a missing link after the Tabi'i. And that's why, this has been a side point here, that's why Imam Ahmad, as Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah quoted, a famous saying of Imam Ahmad, that there are three matters which have no chain of narration. Tafsir, and the Malahim, the great things that will occur at the end of time, and the Maghazi, the matters of Sirah and the battles, the matters of Sirah. And what the people of knowledge mention, what this means is that most of those type of reports, most of the reports, in other words, most of the reports of Sirah, they'll have gaps in the chain of narration. They'll be mursal, they'll be like a tabi'i, mentioning that something happened in the Sirah. So the chain of narration will not always be fully connected. Very often, what's generally the case, it's not a fully connected chain. So it may have happened, may not have happened, wallahu a'lam. So that's, that's why some of the people of knowledge, they mentioned the like of that, the scattering of when the Prophet ﷺ came out from his house, the actual scattering of dust upon their heads. That's it, the, the, actual, the actual report, this chain of narration, is mursal. Just the same as a number of other reports with regard to the seerah, the chains of narration are not established, such as the, at the birth of the Prophet ﷺ, the throne room of the Kisra shaking, and parts of the roof falling down, and likewise the Isra taking place from the house of Umhani, radiallahu anha, and this throwing of the dust upon the heads of the unbelievers, and likewise what's famous, and it's not established, that in, when the Prophet made Hijrah, he went to the cave of Hira, when the people of Shirk looked for him, they found a, a spider's web upon the cave, and they found some pigeons, a pigeon's nest upon it, and the like of these reports are not established. Wallahu a'lam. Back to what Shaykh al-Fawzan brings, Hafizullah, he said, Allah caused their sight to be blinded from him. And he took some dust and scattered it upon their heads. And he left and departed from amongst them. And he went to Abu Bakr, radiallahu anhu. And the two of them departed and went to the cave of Thawr. This cave in the south of Mecca. They went to the cave of Thawr. And they hid there for three days. And the Quraysh were asking the people to catch him by whatever means, alive or dead. So then when they despaired of finding him after looking and searching they offered rewards for whoever could bring him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alive or dead <laughs> then when they had totally despaired Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his companion left the cave and they rode their riding camels and they went to al-Madinah and they made the hijrah to Al-Madinah. And this cave, the cave of Thawr, is to the south. The Prophet ﷺ went to the house of Abu Bakr, and they went to the south of Makkah, obviously the opposite way, Medinah being to the north. They went the opposite way that they would be expected to go if they were heading towards Medina, totally opposite way. And they remained in that cave for three days. Then comes the next part of the text, the continuation, that Shaykh al-Islam said, وَالْهِجْرَةُ الْإِنْتِقَالُ مِنْ بَلَدِ الشِّرْكِ إِلَى بَلَدِ الْإِسْلَامِ 
and Hijrah is to move from the land of Shirk to the land of Islam. Shaykh al-Fawzan, Hafizullah, he said, Hijrah in the language means to abandon something, to leave something, to abandon something. And as for al-Hijrah in the legislation, then it is just as the Shaykh defined it, al-intiqalu min baladil kufri ila baladil islam. It is to depart from the land of kufr, disbelief, and to go to the land of Islam. This is hijrah in the legislation. And hijrah is a tremendous deed. Allah has joined it along with jihad in many ayahs. After the Prophet ﷺ made the hijrah to Al-Madinah, the muhajirun who had been in Abyssinia then came to Al-Madinah. And the Muslims gathered in Al-Madinah and all praise is for Allah. In the Aussie now, there was the Prophet ﷺ remaining with some of the Muslims in Mecca, there were Muslims in Medina, and there were Muslims in Abyssinia, in three different places now. After the Prophet ﷺ made the hijrah with Abu Bakr and whoever was able to made the hijrah, the Muslims were now almost all in Medina, except for the body of Muslims who were in Abyssinia. So Shaykh is saying that they joined, after the hijrah to Al-Medina, the ones in Abyssinia, they crossed the ocean and they joined the Muslims in Al-Medina. Obviously, Shaykh is not indicating when they did that, but sometime after the hijrah. And in this theory, you'll find that what they did, they came, some of them came straight away, either, either via Mecca or they came to Al-Medina. In, after, soon after the hijrah. And a large number of them, under the leadership, under the leadership of Ja'far, they came in the seventh year of the hijrah. Seven years after the hijrah they came. After the battle of Khaybar. A group of them came under the leadership of Ja'far. And they came with some of the Muslims of, of Yemen, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari and a party. And also some, some people came from outside, like Abu, Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. And they all came to Al-Madinah in the seventh year. So, Shaykh al-Fawzan mentioned that after the hijrah, that all the Muslims, that the Muslims of Abyssinia, at least some of them, they came and they, to Al-Madinah. And the Muslims gathered in Al-Madinah. And all praise is for Allah. And a state was formed for the Muslims in Al-Madinah. Comprising the Mahajireen, those Muslims who had made Hijrah, and the Ansar. Literally the aiders or the assistants, those who aided them from the people of Al-Madinah, the Muslims of Al-Madinah. And whoever accepted Islam would come to them. I mean, people from different areas now. Some people in the desert who accepted Islam, then they would come. They would also come to Al Madinah, like the case of Abu Bakr, like the case of Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, others as well. Then he said, "Then Allah legislated the remaining duties of the religion after the Hijrah. So He made the fasting obligatory." upon his Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the zakat in the second year after the hijrah the second year after the hijrah the fasting the fast of Ramadan and the zakat were made obligatory 
and he made obligatory upon him the Hajj in the ninth year after the Hijrah in the correct saying. Obviously, Shaykh Fawzan is indicating now there's a, there's a difference with regard to the Hajj. When was the Hajj made obligatory? Some people say it was, it was made early on after the Hijrah. Some people say it was in the ninth year. And some people say, and that's the year when Abu Bakr led the Hajj. And some people say, no, it was in the tenth year when the Prophet himself made the Hijrah. So Shaykh Fawzan said, what is correct is it was made obligatory in the ninth year. That year when Abu Bakr went and led the Hajj. And he said, and by that, the pillars of Islam were completed. The first of them being the two testifications, al-Shahadatan, and the last of them being the Hajj to Allah's sacred house. So in summary, we know from this that Tawheed is the first requirement in calling to Allah the Mighty and Majestic. And from what we just heard this week and last week, in the seerah of Allah's Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa he called in Mecca for ten years to nothing except Tawheed. And he warned against just shirk for ten whole years. And then after the ten years, for three years, the prayer was added. And then the migration to Medina, then the duties were added. In the second year, fasting and zakat. And in the ninth year, the hajj were added. And there's still the call to Tawheed and forbiddance of shirk still continued throughout that time. So the Shaykh said, so in summary, we know from this, that Tawheed is the first requirement in calling to Allah the Mighty and Majestic. It's the first requirement in Da'wah. And that the caller begins with it before he begins with the prayer and the fasting or the zakat or the hajj because the Prophet ﷺ remained for ten years calling to Tawheed and forbidding shirk. And he was not commanded with prayer. And he was not commanded with zakat, nor hajj, nor fasting. Rather, these obligatory duties were made obligatory after tawheed was established. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he would send out callers, he would command them to call the people. Firstly, the first part of their call, to call them to Tawheed. Just as occurs in the hadith of Mu'adh, إِنَّكَ تَأْتِي قَوْمًا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ فَلْيَكُنْ أَوَّلَ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَيْهِ شَهَادَةٍ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ فَإِنْهُمْ أَجَابُوا لِذَلِكَ فَأَعْلِمْهُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ افْتَرَضَ عَلَيْهِمْ خَمْسَ الصَّلَوَاتِ that the Prophet when he sent Mu'adh to Yemen, he said to him, You are going to a people from the people of the book. So let the first thing that you call them to be the testification that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah and that, and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. So if they accept that from you, then inform them that Allah has made five prayers obligatory upon them. To the end of the hadith. In a footnote they mention, reported by Al-Bukhari as hadith 1395, and Muslim as hadith number 19 from a hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah. The Shaykh said, so this proves that a person is not commanded with the prayer, nor with the zakat, nor with fasting, 
until Tawheed is established. I mean, if we're giving da'wah to someone, we're calling someone to Islam, the Shaykh said, this proves that a person is not commanded with the prayer, nor with zakat, nor with fasting, until Tawheed is established and Tawheed is present. And that whoever begins with other than Tawheed, then his da'wah, his call, will fail. And his manhaj, his methodology, is contrary to the manhaj, the methodology of the messengers, all of them, alayhim salam All of the messengers began by calling to Tawheed and to the correction of Aqeedah. And it is important for those who proceed to be aware of this methodology. For there are many people today who confuse this methodology and change this methodology and choose a different methodology for themselves from their own ideas or from other people who are ignorant. So there must be a return to the methodology of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this is the benefit of having awareness of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his seerah, his life. And of making this one of the three fundamental principles. So that you know how he called the people, how he gave da'wah to the people, how he called the people. And what was his, sallallahu alayhi wa methodology in calling them. So that you can proceed upon it. Since he, alayhi salatu wa is the qudwa. He is the example to be followed. 